Hello, and welcome to my hearth. Another episode from Creative Storytelling. And we went through a whole sequence of episodes about be careful what you wish for. And especially looking at the idea of knowing what you should do and trying to decide whether to do it or not. Now, um, the Greeks are even more subtle with some of their storytelling. And here's a very challenging idea. Here's a case of not doing something because you didn't know you had to, because you didn't have all the information. Now, that's classic storytelling. Think of the possibilities of a story when you don't know what's going on. I'll give you a very good example of this. Um, A lot of Hitchcock's amazing films are based on this idea of the hero or the heroine not knowing what's going on. I'm thinking especially of things like North by Northwest, the Cary Grant film, where he is mistaken uh, for somebody else. And the whole things that are happening to him are because of that. And gradually he solves the problem of what's been going on. Now, that's a very Greek story, and it's extremely powerful. It just shows us, I suppose, uh, the ideas that the Greeks had about storytelling um, were going to resonate through the ages and, and affect our whole way that we tell stories. Now, I'm going to give you a very good example of um, the problems that happen because you withhold information. Um, therefore, the, the main character doesn't know what's going on. And we're going to look at the story of Oedipus, and a very interesting name. Um, he's called uh, Oedipus, uh, meaning little foot or even swollen foot, um, because of what happens to him in the story. Now, When a Greek child was born, very often uh, their parents uh, took it to uh, an oracle to find out what was going to be happening to the child during the course of its lifetime. It's interesting, isn't it? I suppose for all parents, when their child is born, they... They're so in the present for most of the time, but they do sometimes think, okay, what what will the future be? What's going to happen to my child? What is its future? And for the Greeks, that was even more important because they wanted to know the child's relationship to the gods. Very often they would go to the oracle of uh, Apollo at Delphi, but there were other oracles. Anyway, um, Oedipus is born a prince to, uh, obviously, the son of a king and a queen. And they take him to an oracle. Now, very often, oracles, you know, were very vague in what they were telling you. They kind of hid the message of the story in loads, almost like a riddle. 
you know, my first is a clergyman's treacle spanner, that sort of thing, and you've got to kind of work it out. But no such case with the, you know, the prophecy of young Oedipus. What comes back straight away is this child is going to kill his father and marry his mother. Must have been a huge shock to that king and queen. And the question is going to be asked of the king and queen, so what are you going to do with the child? Now, what they would have done sounds incredibly harsh. But remembering that they're the king and the queen, they have to try and protect their dynastic line. Yeah, and they're not going to do that with having a, a son that's going to murder the father and marry the mother. They should have killed it. So there's a case of, you know what you should do, but you didn't do it. And as a result, the main character is missing information. You knew what you should do, you didn't do it. And as a result, the main character has got missing information. They decide that they are going to let the child's fate uh, be uh, left in the hands of the gods. In fact, they have a lovely expression for this, left in the lap of the gods. That's because, they're, like all important Greeks, you know, the gods wore long tunics, long robes, and when they sat down, you know, the tunic made a kind of fold uh, in between their legs, and they used to throw dice into that fold. So literally, your fate was left in the lap of the gods. So what they're going to do with young Oedipus? Well, they decide to expose him on a hillside. They're going to take him away from their city yeah, and leave him to the mercy of wild beasts. Now we can see again, you know, we've got Shakespearean influence here because Shakespeare's play The Winter's Tale, um, Perdita, the daughter uh, of King Leontes, uh, is taken away from the country to be uh, exposed on a hillside. Will she survive or not? Okay. So, someone is tasked with the idea uh, of taking this child away. They've got to do it. And in the process of the journey, the child is so adorable that the, the messenger tasked with this terrible, terrible thing that they've got to do falls in love with the child. And when it comes to the place, he, he travels as far away as he can possibly go you know, and exposes to, to expose the child on the hillside. When he gets there, he can't leave it on the ground. He hears wild beasts about, and he knows that if he leaves the child on the ground, there will be a problem and the child will be eaten, you know, or, or at least wounded or savaged by animals. And so he decides to tie the child into a tree. Now, I don't know how often you've tied a child into a tree, 
But the child is not just going to lie there and say, oh, look, I'm tired into a tree. It, it wriggles and it wrestles and it does things. And after the messenger has gone away, it slips out of the tree and the rope it's tied to ties around its foot and damages its foot. Hence the child's nickname later on of Oedipus. Little foot or swollen foot. Now, if you leave a child hanging upside down in a tree by its foot, I can almost guarantee that it's going to cry. And the cries are heard by a shepherd. And a shepherd comes and finds the infant child and rescues it. Again, we have overtones here, don't we, of A Winter's Tale, because it's a shepherd who finds, finds her. It's a shepherd who finds Perdita when she's been exposed on the hillside, having been left there by Antigonus. So, the shepherd finds the child hanging in a tree. Now, with him being of the ancient world, you, know, you don't often find an amazing child hanging by its foot from a tree. The shepherd thought that this was literally a gift from the gods, something miraculous. There's no one around. It's in a very desolate place. How has the child got there? It must be the gods, is what the shepherd thinks. And so he takes this incredibly miraculous child to the palace of the king and the queen of that country. Now, they have just been told that they can't have children. And at that same time, a child miraculously appears, given by the gods. Fine. So the whole thing seems to be a kind of miraculous serendipity. You've got this prognostication that you can't have children, you know, whatever diagnosis has been, it's not going to be possible. And you've then got a child appearing. And so they decide to adopt it as their own child. And remember that that child is now a prince because they are the king and the queen of their country. Now, remember that the whole thing about this is that they should tell him the story of his miraculous discovery and adoption, and they don't. This is the theme of the story. They withhold the information, and so the main character, the hero, does not know the truth. Oedipus thinks that that king and queen are his real parents. When he gets to be a teenager, part of his rite of passage into manhood is to go to the oracle to see his relationship with the gods. He is shocked to get back the message that he is going to kill the king, his father, and marry the queen, his mother. He doesn't know what to do. Panics and decides to run away. 
and as a result he goes as far away as he can possibly go, and that happens to be the city of Thebes, which is where he was born. On his way into the city, he meets an old man in a chariot who is escaping from the city. Thebes is under a curse. It is being threatened by a sphinx. Sphinx is asking people a riddle. It's asking people who are trying to get into the city of Thebes the riddle. And if the people can't answer the riddle, then it kills the person and eats them, basically. Um, now, that's causing a big problem. You can get out of the city, but you can't get in because of the Sphinx. Now, obviously, the king has, is on his way to the Oracle to find out why Thebes is under a curse. And that's where he meets Oedipus in the road. Now, uh, Oedipus is shocked by the arrival of the chariot, yeah, and he tries to defend himself against the chariot. Uh, the chariot seems to pass him and goes off. What Oedipus doesn't know is that the chariot goes around the corner and turns over, and the king of Thebes is thrown out of the chariot and is killed. Oedipus then journeys to the city, meets the Sphinx, solves the famous riddle, uh, what walks on four legs in the morning, two legs in the afternoon and three legs in the evening. And the answer is man, a baby crawling on all fours, a man walking upright, and then a man walking with a stick in the evening of his years. He solves the riddle, Oedipus then kills the Sphinx and is the saviour of the city. At the same time, uh, the people of Thebes discover that the king has died in, a, in an accident in his chariot. They don't think he's been murdered. And they say to Oedipus, you are the saviour of the city. You can be our new king. And in fact, you can marry the queen, Jocasta. So the prophecy for Oedipus has now come true. He has killed the king, his father, by accident, and he's married his mother. He then goes on to be a fantastic king for 20 years. Uh, he and Jocasta have four children. Everything seems to be all right. And then suddenly the plague hits Thebes. Now, remember that in ancient Greek times, if something like that happens, it must be that the gods are upset with something that's been going on. So uh, Oedipus then consults the oracle as to find out what's wrong with Thebes that we've got the plague. I'm the king and I've got to try and sort this out. Now, interestingly, he does not get back. Um, you are going to kill the king, your father, and marry the queen, your mother, because it has already happened. The prophecy has been fulfilled, and therefore you, know, you don't need to deal with it. OK. What he does get back is that the previous king was murdered 
and the person that committed the murder is still in the city. So Oedipus says, I am going to find out who the murderer is. I will investigate the crime. As you can see from a storytelling point of view, we've now got a detective story. One of the original detective stories in the world. Not only that, but in great irony, the first Greek murder mystery, as it were, you know, the the detective is the murderer. So how clever is that from a storytelling point of view? Oedipus conducts the investigation. He does it as a trial, tries to find out what's going on. Remember, he doesn't have all the information about the baby and it being sent away and the prophecy over the baby. He doesn't have all that. But other people do. And as the trial goes on, Jocasta, his mum, his wife, realises what has happened, can't deal with it, and she commits suicide. Very dramatic, very Greek storytelling. Okay, uh, eventually Oedipus realises that he is the murderer, that he has married his mum, that he has had children by her, and he can't deal with it. And so he puts out his own eyes. He can't bear the thought of seeing his reflection again. He doesn't want to see himself again. He blinds himself. And again, that's both psychological and metaphorical. Yeah, He has been blind to his circumstances, and now he is physically blind. And everything that has gone before that. There then becomes a difficulty as to what is going to happen next, and we'll come to that in the next episode. <laughs>